As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Ask NT Wright Anything podcast. Who was Paul? What difference did he make in the world? What do we know about his conversion? Uh, we had a, such an interesting conversation, and we heard the first part of it last week between Tom Holland, the popular historian, and N.T. Wright, who I sit down with every week on this show uh, to ask your questions of. Well, this is a bit different. This is a conversation we recorded back in 2018 when Tom Holland and N.T. Wright first met, and it was such a joy to bring them together. They got on like an absolute house on fire, um, and it was such a good conversation, so I thought it worth a re-airing on the Ask N.T. Wright Anything podcast. We'll be back to the normal format next week, so do make sure to get your questions in, by the way, because, uh, you know, it's always a good time to ask Tom your questions. Uh, you can go and do that. Uh, the easy way to do that now is simply go to our new website, premierunbelievable.com. When you register, you'll get the link to ask a question of Tom. It's that easy. If you want to watch the video, by the way, of today's show, uh, it's linked with today's info on the podcast. Uh, you can also find the link there to our Michaela Peterson and John McRae Big Conversation Live. Are millennials and Gen Z ready to believe in God. That's what we're asking. You can be part of the live audience on Tuesday, the 12th of July. It's absolutely free to attend from anywhere in the world. You just need to register. Again, that's premierunbelievable.com and the links are with today's show. Let's continue this conversation on St. Paul and uh, the difference he made in the world between Tom Holland and N.T. Wright. Just how strange would this idea of a god who or a messiah or whatever who becomes crucified be have been in the roman world that, that this message was being delivered into uh, beyond Tom. weird <laughs> be totally beyond weird as as paul repeatedly says i mean he yes. says that it, you know it is it, it's foolishness scandal, it's to the outrage, it's yeah. foolishness it's it's it, 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 it's ridiculous and he's aware of this the whole time just how embarrassing this is in a sense <laughs> well, yeah. it, well it is kind of you know i mean it, it and that is the whole point yes. that that to suffer death on a cross is you know it's it's the worst death that the, the roman state can inflict but it is also shaming in the context of the mosaic law which also yeah. says that you know to be hung from a tree is a cause of, of, of you know. and, and we often mm-hmm. forget with our stylized depictions of the crucifixion just how gory yeah, it's, it's, and it's, shameful it's, it's, yes, it was and, and and so what is happening is that the, it, it's like a kind of it's the ultimate judo throw where mm. you turn the strength of your opponent against him Roman power is affirmed by brutality. The, the the governor of a province has the right to burn, to throw to beasts, to crucify anyone who he feels is a danger to 
Roman power. And mm. governors did that absolutely at the drop of a hat. So what is happening with um, Paul's proclamation of the one God in some way suffering this fate is to absolutely upend the very fabric and basis not just of Roman power, but of power full stop. Yeah, because, of course, yeah, the, yeah. The, the assumption through, you know, from reading the, the, the Jewish scriptures was that God is a warrior and that mm. God will, you know, the overthrow of Roman power, the, um, the, the establishment of a kingdom of peace will in some way be affected by the sword. Yeah, yeah. And what Paul is saying is that actually the true source of power is, is to suffer. And that notion, you know, that that to be a victim can somehow be a source of power is unbelievably subversive yeah, in the context yeah. of classical antiquity. And still and today, to some extent. Oh, I yes. mean, you yeah, know, it's but, not but, as though we all believe that today. In... Although you see, you know, you see all the time in the news at the moment yeah. that that to cast yourself as a victim is somehow to give yourself power. And, and you would only have power by virtue of being a victim if you existed in the context of a society that was still in its fundamentals Christian. Mm, yes. you know, in, in the Roman world, if you said, I'm a victim, they'd say, yeah, and <laughs> I'll enslave you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thanks very, thanks you know, very or, or, much. You know, yeah. Or I'll rape you, I'll do whatever. Right. I mean, you know, and, and, it's, it's, and on top of this was also this statement, which I think was being used in quite a political way of Jesus is Lord, which was obviously yes. and so, yes, and so, set against the yeah, idea and, and, that, that's, well, no, Caesar is Lord. So if we think if if we think of of um, uh, of Paul arriving in Galatia, it, it would seem that in some way the, the Galatians feel that they have a particular relationship to the figure of Augustus. So they transcribe the Reis Gestae, his account of of his achievements, and we it seems to have been done to a far greater degree than anywhere else in the Roman Empire, and so they are inscribing this idea of. Um, Augustus, who describes himself as Divi Filius, son of God, son of Caesar, but you know he 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 he's been, been raised yeah. up to the heavens. He has been he is a, a prince of peace. He has established a universal amity across the world, and this is Euangelion. This is good, good news. news. Good this news, is a yes. gospel to be <laughs> proclaimed. But the statues of Augustus, the Reis Gestae of Augustus. The, the the very essence of Augustus is that the peace that he has brought has been brought by a sword. Yeah, yeah. He is an imperator. He is a, a general who is victorious. Yeah. Um, this this is what an emperor is. And so, in the in the cities that Paul is arriving at, this cult of Caesar, which is the fastest growing cult probably in history up until that point. You know, mm. it's spread like wildfire. And it's not a kind of frigid cult. It's a cult that people across the Roman world invest in with a deep emotional sense. Mm. This idea of a, a conquering human who is divine, who has risen from the earth and gone to the heavens. He is the epitome of earthly power and therefore of divine power as well. And so in that context, the subversion that Paul is affecting by turning up and saying, actually, the son of God that I preach is someone who was crucified <laughs> by Roman power. I mean, you can, it's, it's, it kind of but, but, makes you wince. But why did it work then? What, 
what, why did anyone listen to such a uh, crazy that, message? That's Tom? a great question. I mean, I just want to endorse everything that Tom said. I think this, uh, it is one of the most extraordinary turnarounds in history that, that the symbolism of crucifixion said, we run this world and if you get in our way, we'll rub you out. And that is callous, brutal power. And then to have within 20 years the crucifixion as a symbol of all-conquering, self-giving love that's just quite extraordinary. Mm. And and as you said, we in the modern Christian world see crucifixes, we have them, you know, as jewellery decoration or nice pretty things in churches. And, and actually this was like an electric chair or, or a horrible gallows or something. Um, so, so, so why did it work? And I think if we'd asked Paul that, he would have said, because when you announce the crucified Jesus as Lord, there is a strange power, which he sometimes calls the gospel and sometimes calls the spirit. um, And that power goes to work in people's minds and hearts and stuff happens. They find themselves gripped and grasped grasped by it. And I think Paul would have said, there is no logical explanation. (laughs) Of course, there is nobody actually wants to sign off this. But it's, I mean, everything that Tom Holland was saying just now was reminding me of, of Mark 8, where Jesus said, says, um, you know, we're going to Jerusalem and, and it's, it's all going to happen. And if you want to come after me, you've got to be prepared to die, take up your cross as well. I think they thought that was a metaphor. <laughs> but in fact, Jesus really meant it. And then in Mark 10, when he says, don't you really, when, when James and John want to sit in the best seats um, to be his right and left hand men, and he says, don't you realize the rulers of the nations bully people and harry people and lord it? We're not going to do it like that. We're going to do it the other way. Anyone who wants to be great must be your servant. Because the Son of Man didn't come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many so jesus himself is precisely articulating the redefinition of power with the cross at the center of that and paul picks up from that and says that and i think this is what paul would would actually want to say first on the cross jesus did in fact defeat the principalities and powers. He says that two or three passages. He disarmed the powers and made mm. a public example. Of course, it didn't look like that. This is the theological interpretation in the light of the resurrection. But then when you've got that interpretation, you can go to work and say, now, actually, Jesus crucified is the fulcrum around which world history turns, and people find that it's true for them. I mean, this brings us to that interesting tension that you sit in, in a sense, as both a believer and a historian of the scriptures, Tom Tom Wright, because in a sense, you're saying Paul, the, the explanation Paul would have given is that something supernatural happened. This gospel changed people. Or are you? <laughs> and are you allowed to as a historian it'll be, to say? It'll be interesting to see what happens when Tom Holland gets past <laughs> Galileo and on into the 18th and 19th century, because this word supernatural has changed its meaning. Okay. The word supernatural in the, middle, in the Middle Ages, as far as I understand it, meant a superabundance of godness over and on top of, but not excluding what goes on. So it's, it's what normally goes on plus some extra dimensions. But from the 18th century onwards, something very interesting happened culturally, and the ancient philosophy called Epicureanism really became the dominant philosophy of the West. And with Epicureanism, the gods and our world are totally separate. Mm-hmm. They're made of the same stuff. They're made of atoms, but they, they have nothing to do with us. So supernatural means something out there as opposed to something down here. And then Christians trying to make sense of the faith within a basically Epicurean world think of God, quote, intervening. So you either have natural events or 
supernatural events. And I, I resist that dichotomy. I think it's a product of and, 18th and, this and 19th is, of course, centuries. If you want more on this, the Gifford lectures that you gave this year. Thank you. Are, yes, are the, um, the place uh, to go. Fluently done. <laughs> very nice. But, but uh, unfortunately, it's going to take a little while before they get published because I've got some work to do. But they are available online. They're on YouTube. Actually. Yep. Yeah, you they can are. Go and see I think. Them right away, yeah. yeah, YouTube. Oh goodness. Um, <laughs> but, but the, 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 the point is this: that we still in our culture. And I think I say this in one of the Giffords, actually. Um, the, the only real question that the great British public know theologically is, does God intervene in the world or doesn't he? Which is why a journalist faced with a new archbishop says, do you believe in the virgin birth and the resurrection? In other words, are you going to be one of those embarrassing fundamentalists <laughs> who says you believe it all? Or are you going to be one of those equally dodgy liberals who says you disbelieve <laughs> it all? It's, it's a horrible dilemma. And I want to say, wrong question. This is not, how, for me as a historian, um, the more I know about history, the more I think, uh, yeah, all sorts of odd things happen in the world. Um, and the idea that everything is just a closed continuum is, is a very particular philosophical thing. So um, I, I want to have it both ways, actually. How, how do, you, <laughs> do you approach this? Because, um, I, you know, we can talk about metaphysical commitments on, on your part, Tom Holland, but at the end of the day, someone like that you're sitting opposite, like Tom Wright, obviously does believe the Bible to be both a historical document that we can you can both agree on, you can pull apart and dissect and look at. But is also well, a source I, of divine I, I revelation at some level. It at ra it rather, as a kind of Darwinian, right? In the sense that I assume that Christianity triumphs or you know achieves what it achieves um, because it gives something that people mm -hmm. want yes. that they hadn't previously yeah. been given. Um, so there's know, a social it's the survival of the yeah. fittest. <laughs> so if you if you I mean, I mean it's evident for you know most famously from Paul's um, stay in Athens that that there is in a sense a marketplace for gods mm -hmm. in antiquity. So if you if you think of Paul arriving in Galatia, the, the Galatian gods are, are are famously horrible. There's one <laughs> god that, that that supposedly goes around punching women in the breasts, and you Gosh. think you know this is this is this is not a kind no. of pleasant particularly pleasant day. You know, the other the, the other famous deity in Galatia is is, is Kible, who sits on a, a mighty mountain and um, in the ecstasy of their worship um, men will castrate themselves in her honour and, and Paul kind of makes a, a, a grim yeah, joke yeah, about this right. in Galatians saying yeah. you know his opponents I wish that they would castrate <laughs> themselves the whole lot off, yeah. so, so, so these are kind of th th these are intimidating gods yes. these are gods who certainly don't love you mm. um, you know maybe you're a philosopher and you you know you, you look at the, the god of Aristotle the the, 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 the fixed I mover I mean there was a kind you know, of you have to love this fixed mover but there's no implication at all and that if there was a rela relationship back. it was quite transactional yeah, it was sort of keep yes. them happy and yes. then we can get and, on with and, our lives yes, and, and that is also true of yeah. of dv filius augustus yeah, yeah, you know yeah. this is you know this is also a kind of transactional relationship we'll worship him and then please don't come and kill us yeah, yeah. now so in in that context the the god of the jews you know it provokes a lot of mockery a lot mm -hmm. of kind of of, of of contempt but also a fair degree of envy because actually I, th I think it's pretty clear that there are lots of people in in the greco-roman world who are quite jealous of this idea of a god who loves the jews and who mm -hmm. particularly cares for them and who would like to be a bit of that and so you have these kind of liminal figures who mm -hmm. you know they're gentiles but they kind of would like to have a part of of this kind of jewish vibe yeah uh, and in that context, Paul turning up and saying, you know, you, you don't have to give up Paul. You don't have to, to be circumcised. <laughs> right. and, and, and this God loves you as yeah, he loves yeah, me. Yeah. You, know, you can he loves see why me. that would have been attractive. I think you can absolutely see right. why that would yeah, be attractive. Yeah, yeah. And I think that um, 
clearly this does this does cut through to people who are who who are who are relatively prosperous and and Paul mentions them in his letters you know women as well as men who 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 can provide him with 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 funding and with backing but but, the same- but, but, but it must also have given i mean what what the impact it must have had on on slaves to mm-hmm. be told that you know you are one with the free to be told you know a slave in rome in the household of a christian to be told you are a child of god at a time where nero is absolutely in his pomp and nero <laughs> is kind of dramatizing what it is to be a son of you know yeah. a, a son of a god in the augustan sense yeah. to you know to an astonishingly histrionic degree for a slave in some you know sh- Attic in the okay. suburbs of Rome to be told that I mean it's been overwhelming. It, it is short and and also for women. And it's a point Rodney Stark makes in his book The Rise of Christianity, and I think it needs to be drawn out, particularly in today's culture, that that the the valuing of women there is no male or female male and female in Galatians three. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is almost unthinkable in a post-Aristotle world where men and women are almost different species, um, and and you know who's who's um, in charge here, um, and and then when you see the way that Paul treats his female co-workers and the way that he when he's written this extraordinary letter called Romans, one of the most amazing pieces of writing in the ancient world. He entrusted to Phoebe, who is a deacon in the church in Cancrea. She takes it to Rome. And I'm interested to know Tom Holland's take on this, but my understanding is that when you give a letter to somebody to take to somebody, to a, a group, she is likely to be the person who reads it out and quite possibly explains it. Maybe and, the and first person. There is another that. brilliant book that I'm sure you're aware of by Paula Gooder on this very subject, her, her novelization of I, the Phoebe story. I know of that. Um, I'm very proud of Paula. She's a former <laughs> student of mine, and I'm looking forward to reading that book. Yes, yes. Well, she, well, I had her on Unbelievable oh, with right, them. Right, right. A rather different, um, actually, uh, interlocutor. That was uh, Francesca Stavrakopoulou. Yeah, she, would, of, she doesn't of, like Paula. <laughs> <laughs> well, well she, she, she likes Paula uh, because, they, she, uh, funnily enough, Francesca was a student of Paula's herself. Right, so, okay. so uh, yes, um, it's the world of biblical but, but scholarship. So, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm very much uh, interested would like to, to press this further because I do totally agree that this idea that you can all be one, there is a new community and you are loved and valued. And I was thinking about this in relation to forgiveness the other day that the, the ancient gods didn't forgive people. I mean, Zeus and Poseidon and Co. You might be able to placate them. You might be able to sneak around when they weren't watching. But the idea they would forgive you is is quite different. I don't think you find that in the Greco-Roman world. And, and people didn't, as far as I know, reckon that they were going around needing forgiveness in that sense. I'm still confused at one level as to, I mean, I accept that there's this thesis, okay, it, it, the reason it caught on was because uh, it, it allowed slaves to suddenly feel like they it, there were people who maybe wanted in on this. But at the same time, you, you make very clear in the book, Tom, just how socially inconvenient it oh, was it's to become a Christian. It's massively I socially mean, it's not like this is a, a way to um, climb the ladder. I mean, no, absolutely, absolutely not. And this is part of the problem all the way through. In First Thessalonians, Paul, looking back to the time when they became believers just a few weeks earlier, he says, you turned from idols to serve a living and true God. Now, it's hard for us to imagine what that's like but an ancient city like Thessalonica or Corinth or Ephesus or anywhere you've got idol temples your temples on every street corner mm. you've got processions you've got games in honor of the Lord God so and so whatever it is particularly Lord Caesar you've got 
um, celebrations, regular festivals, regular holidays, and everyone shows up. Mm. People are regular. People are regularly coming through the streets with sacrificial animals. It's what you do. And in a world where there is no such thing as private life, except for the very, very rich, um, everybody knows if you suddenly aren't showing up. You know that family down the street. They haven't been to anything this last month. What's going on? Oh, haven't you heard? They've joined this funny new group. Well, who are they? Well, they say they're Jews, but they're not Jews, so we don't know who they are. And and so suddenly you're not doing all the things that people in your world you, normally you liken do. it in the modern world to st paul say going into wall street and sort of saying right we've got oh, to abandon all of these oh, financial oh, institutions oh, the way we run our or, lives or you know i sometimes say to people when when people say why didn't paul say that slavery was wrong i say well when did you last go into the pulpit on a sunday morning and say by the way it's quite clear that uh, motor cars are polluting our planet and destroying our world so i want you to leave your cars in the parking lot we'll have them taken to the dump later on because we're all going to be either walking or on horseback from now on um you know most congregations would not think that was a very good sermon. <laughs> but actually, uh, th w when you're talking about a major social revolution, you're just not going to be doing those processions anymore. And this is why in southern Greece, they get permission to shelter under the Jewish permission because the Jews had permission not to do that stuff. And this is where a lot of the hassle comes from. Because then when suddenly there's a bunch of non-Jews claiming the same permission, the authorities want to know who are they? And then they'll go around to the Jewish yeah, community. And suddenly this who, is a who bit are of these a, people? Yeah. This and thing's th getting out of control. I think suddenly. this is the yeah. best explanation for a lot that's going on in Galatians, right. particularly. And I'm, yeah. I'm very interested in Tom's. Uh, well, I mean, I've got there. a slightly edgier comparison. Okay, go and, on. you know, any, any comparison between the 21st century and the 1st century is obviously, you know, they're so Probably different. Somewhere but, somewhere, yeah. but, but if you think about the, the spread of radical Islam, if you think about the way that people worry about their children or their wives or their sons, becoming radicalized i think you might have some faint echo of how it's working and we were talking about um you know paul's use of of, of letters yes. the reason that he can he can do this the way the reason that he can communicate across the roman world is because there is an enormous road system which is being used by caesar and by governors to communicate you know it's the it's, gospel. It, yeah, yeah so it's yeah. The, it's the kind of ganglion that's connecting mm -hmm. the fabric of, of of the mighty brain of rome mm. um and, and and paul is kind of piggybacking on that rather in the way that um islamic radicals are piggybacking on the internet which was originally developed right. by you know the the, 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 the internet is our, our roman yeah. road system of today yeah yeah, and, yeah. So, and, and and so it's kind of using technology and the infrastructure of of a superpower mm. to come up with things that are are, are profoundly opposed to it right. and in a sense, part of the appeal of radical Islam is precisely that it is subversive of almost everything that people in secular society take for granted. Yeah. Um, Interesting so, point. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that, that you know that you know Paul is. It, I'm not comparing Paul to a kind sure, of ISIS. Sure, but I but, understand but, the but, principle but, 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 you're, but the, you're employing there. Yeah. But part of the you know people say why why would why would anyone run off to Syria? I mean you know and mm. and, and sign up to you know this terrifying cult. In a sense, the it's precisely the challenge of it that becomes the, yeah, the appeal. Yeah. And, you know, Paul talks a lot about the spirit and he talks a lot about the spirit bringing freedom. And that idea of being free in a world where everyone else is not free gives you a kind of dignity and status that in the long run will Motivate enable someone. people yeah. to suffer torture and even death in the yeah, cause of yeah, affirming that yeah. and and to that to, to this extent i think that um that paul and the early christians are the ancestors of isis and are the ancestors of 
um, almost every group that defines themselves in terms of belief, because they're willing to, to suffer martyrdom for belief, you don't really get, I mean, you know, there's the odd you know, Socrates is well, kind well. of an example, but, <laughs> but 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 the idea that you as you know as a slave girl or you know that, that you are willing to suffer death for a belief that is really something that, 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 that originates. originates Obviously, Paul. there are parallels, and it's very interesting to explore those. And they go back, of course, to the um, the pre-Christian Jewish radical zealots, uh, as in the Maccabean period, who were prepared to die for their hope that God was going to renew the world. And you see that in the book called Second Maccabees. Particularly, although um, I mean, just just yeah. just I mean, that is also about kind of defending land, though, isn't it? It's, so that's it's always defending land, there. re-establishing the temple, etc., etc., etc. Sure, yes, but um, what we see in Paul is the taking of that radical tradition, which is also a violent tradition. I mean, some of them are martyred, but some of them are going to sharpen their swords and win a, mm-hmm. an extraordinary battle. And in the second century um, AD, you see this with the Bar Kokhba revolt in one three two to one three five. We have a brief little messianic kingdom of Judea under the rule of this man, the son of the star, and they are going to have, they think, an astonishing military victory over the Romans. So that that continues on. What you see in Paul has all of that energy, but turned upside down, exactly as Tom Holland was saying before, through the notion of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, that this is a different kind of victory, won mm-hmm. by a different kind of means. And we see um, if if there is a sense in which Paul is the ancestor of Isis, Paul is also the ancestor of St. Francis right. and of Mother Teresa and of the people who are saying, no, there is a different way to transform the world. And it is the way of love. It's the way of self-giving. And the ancestor of people like Desmond Tutu, who, you know, we, we forget that in the 70s, Desmond Tutu was standing in front of crowds of angry people, his own people, mm. who wanted to use violence. And he was saying, that is not the way we transform the world. And astonishing that message got through and won the day though South Africa is still um, difficult but but that is a message of love and forgiveness well I, I I hesitate to bring up the subject of Paul and the law in the presence of Tom Wright <laughs> I mean it's a hubristic thing to do but 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 Paul is clearly also I think the the ancestor of the modern notions of international law that that, that ISIS are committed to overthrowing right because what Paul introduces into the bloodstream of the West and then by extension, because the West spreads those ideas across the world, the entire kind of global framework of, of how international law is structured, is the idea that God's law can be written on the heart, mm. that you no longer need the Torah, that, you, that the Spirit will write it on the heart, and, and therefore you will know what is right, and that will be illumined. And so what that gives in the long run the West is a notion that law can be human and 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 be morally valid and that's the great contrast with the islamic world where law is you know in 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 the sense of the the torah and the, and the talmud you know sharia is 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 about the idea of 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 god having directly revealed kind of legal rulings mm. which have and to be so, imposed on yes, people whether they like it yes, or not I, yeah. whereas in the west the idea that law can be something that is of human origin is absolutely 
taken for granted. Right. And so this, you know, mm. this 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 is kind of the, the the great gripe that Islamic radicals have with international law is precisely that they recognise its Christian origins. So th- uh, th- there's a guy Al Makdisi, a, a Palestinian Jordanian radical who was hugely influential intellectually on on ISIS and on Al Qaeda, and. He, he detests Saudi Arabia because Saudi Arabia is part of the United Nations. And he's saying, well, the Charter of the United Nations is of human origin. It is not mm-hmm. of divine origin. So essentially, his argument is with the Pauline idea that... That is fascinating. And and it goes... I mean, obviously, that's a, an ancient Jewish idea. The writing of the law on the heart is Jeremiah and yes, Ezekiel. And, it's a, and, and it fits with this whole idea that Basically, Pauline Christianity is, to coin a, an odd phrase, Judaism for the masses. I mean, Nietzsche said it was Platonism for the masses. That's absolutely wrong. It, it, in the 19th century, many Christians were Platonists, and, and that's a problem. But the idea that this Jewish insight about a loving God who will inscribe the law on the hearts of his people, and now this can happen to anyone. Just I mean, as liberalism is Christianity for the masses. <laughs> In a sense, up to a point, Lord <laughs> Copper. Yeah, no, let's not go there. But, but then um, w- what we get with that, if, with Paul, this extraordinary thing, which when I was writing this book, it, it impinged on me again, that what we already see when there's a rumor that there's going to be a famine coming, the church in Antioch instantly, instead of stockpiling food, they say, we've got to help them yeah. down in Jerusalem. And you have a sense of a translocal community as well as a trans-ethnic community mm-hmm. in a way which I think is unprecedented in the ancient world. The Jewish communities, the synagogue communities, were uh, translocal. They were across mm-hmm. the world and they sort of knew about one another and were in touch with one another. But it was basically Jews and um, proselytes or, or God-fearers or whoever. And there was there were translocal communities of the Roman um, imperial administration and the Roman army, but that was all mm-hmm. John well, loyal to Caesar, thank you very much. What you have in Christianity is a community which Paul insists is one. It's a united community and has to be struggled for that unity. And that's precisely the origin of the United Nations. That's a that's a Christian Pauline idea. The problem is if you try to get it without the roots in <laughs> an explicit belief in this particular God who has rescued the world in this particular way, well, you can see, go to the UN today, you can whistle for it because it's falling apart because we've tried to get it without the without the, the basis. We're going to have to leave it there. I wish we had more time. But um, thank you so much, gentlemen, both, uh, Tom you. Holland and Tom Wright, for joining me on the programme today. Um, Tom Holland, we want you back when your book is thank you available be, and we'll, we'll get you in another interesting discussion about it. Uh, Tom Wright... I'm looking forward to, we've got a little bit of a plan in the pipeline for a, a regular podcast with you. Uh, so watch this space. If you're a Tom Wright fan, uh, you might be able to get more of uh, conversations like this uh, coming to you uh, in the future. But for the moment, thank you both for being with me. On thank Unbelievable you. It's today. been a pleasure. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I enjoyed hosting it uh, a few years ago when Paula Biography was first published by N.T. Wright. And if you want to watch the video, it's linked with the show notes today as well. Uh, Before we go, just to say that we're going to be bringing you more of your questions and answers from Tom on next week's show as we enter a new season of the Ask N.T. Wright Anything podcast. You can always send your questions in. It's easy to do. You just go to our website, premierunbelievable.com, 
register for the newsletter and then you'll receive the link to be able to ask a question yourself. And don't forget that special event coming up as well soon. Tuesday, the 12th of July, Michaela Peterson and John McRae. I'll be with them. You can be part of the live audience as well online as we ask, are millennials and Gen Z ready to believe in God again? Unbelievable.live to register your place for that or go to the website premierunbelievable.com. For now, thanks for being with us and see you next time.